The following episode may contain inappropriate material. Listener discretion is advised. It is the podcast with John and I. Dang it, John! Why did you kill my brother? <laughs> I do not want to speak to you. Oh my god. Anyway, folks, that anger was not directed towards you. It was directed towards John. I want to welcome you all to this fabulous edition of Matt Talk. You have given and us I'm a little... very, very excited to talk to you about it. And you've given us a little snippet as to the theme of the uh, the episode, in which uh, some there's going to be a guy that's wanting to revenge his brother's death. And uh, you know me, I like a little vengeance. I'm a big fan of uh, of tales in which there's some revenge. And so this certainly did not leave me hanging, shall you say? No, um, I yeah, it's going to be really hard for me to not keep my feelings about this episode until the end. Uh, so I am really ready to get into this. But before we do, John, I have been yeah. making horrible decisions in my life and staying up till like midnight watching Married with Children. <laughs> Are you streaming it? Is it streaming somewhere? Or did you get it on DVD? I'm watching it on Hulu. Oh, OK. I, didn't I have it, it on, on DVD. Hulu. I do have it on DVD. It's just easier to stream it. But um, I... I had always seen bits and pieces of Married with Children throughout my life, and I, I had always liked it when I watched it. But now I've sat down and watched them all in order. Like I watch the Married with uh, Children Christmas episode every year with uh, Sam Kinison as the angel. I think it's fantastic. But I love the Bundys, man. Like seriously, I know that on the surface it looks like Al and Peg hate each other, but man, if somebody messes with either one of them. They're sorry because the other one is gonna make that person pay. Like yeah, I love their loyalty to each other, like I, all of them. Yeah, I was gonna say you're forgetting the kids, but you already jumped in there because there's several episodes where somebody screws over Bud or Kelly, and and the other sibling will help them out. I think that Married with Children is a is a show that clearly would never see the light of day in today's society. It's it's like the blazing saddles of TV. I don't know. I don't know. I think it could work on a streaming service or something, but um, I probably not have Kelly as sexualized as they do on the show. Like as it is now, they yeah. that probably wouldn't happen so much today, but um, just like they are so mean to each other in private, but man, like if somebody messes with them, then you're going to be as sorry. I love it. I love the show so much. I love that so- O'Neill and his acting gets better. Cause I, his acting in season one was kind of atrocious, but it got better. Keep an eye out. Maybe you've already seen the episodes. There's some very famous uh, guest stars that they have. Anthrax, the heavy metal band, is on an episode. WWF wrestler King Kong Bundy was on an episode. We saw um, that one. You saw that one? Okay. I mean, yeah. there's there's some there's some interesting people who stopped by. Yes. And Ted McGinley's about to join the cast because Steve Rhodes just left to go be um, a park ranger. Yes. Yes. Jefferson Darcy <laughs> yeah. is is Ted McGinley's name. Yeah. 
His last name is uh, Darcy, so she becomes Marcy Darcy. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that? That becomes a running gag. <laughs> no, I did not. Re- I'd seen some with uh, Jefferson. Uh, that, the actor, not the character, was in that Christmas episode, too. He played the uh, alternate has- husband to Peggy if Al Bundy had never been born. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what makes him decide to be alive, because he does not want them to be that happy. Mm-hmm. All right, you ready to kick this uh, discussion off here talking about uh, another great episode of Matlock. Oh, dude, one of the best two-parters. Let's get into it, John, because like I said, I'm not going to contain myself. All right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Then let's get on into it with our opening statements. Well, the name of the episode is The Hunting Party. It aired uh, September 19th, 1989, and even though IMDb has it broken out as two episodes... If you look, the air date is exactly the same. So that led me to believe that it was some type of, you know, back-to-back movie type of, and I use that term loosely, episode of Matlock. But this will be the first appearance of Clarence Gilliard Jr. uh, playing the role of Conrad McMaster. So we're introduced to him. Right off the bat, I'm going to say it. I'm going to move a little bit ahead in my notes. You can tell that he really wants to be there. Like the, the, the chemistry with him and Andy Griffith is fantastic oh dude it is fantastic i said some things during season one when we were reviewing it about uh conrad mcmasters but i did not remember this character properly because yeah the chemistry dare i say is better than it was with keen holiday and uh andy like it is just from the first second on the screen yeah and he's definitely a different style of character that, uh, you know, there's that debate, Conrad and Tyler. We see it all the time online in the various different Facebook groups that we're part of, Jason. And, you know, I don't know. I think that, you know, definitely Conrad brings a certain set of skills, as we'll see as the episodes roll on, that Ty- Tyler had a different set of skills and, and a different suaveness to him that that is not present in Conrad, but yet Conrad has a better personality, I think, than maybe Tyler Hudson does. That's just my two cents worth. Well, Conrad and um, Ben have, like, instant chemistry. Uh, Tyler and Ben's grew over the first few episodes. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm not saying one's better than the other right now. I'm not ready to do that. I just, I really like this introduction to the character. Okay. And how dare you plant dope in my car, John? (laughs) Well, what can I say? I, I wanted to teach you a lesson. Well, let's talk about some of the guest stars because there's some heavy hitters. Let's start it off with Fred Dalton Thompson as Gordon Lewis. Now, you may know Fred Dalton Thompson as Admiral Painter in The Hunt for Red October, Marshall in No Way Out, uh, Trudeau in Die Hard 2, Arthur Branch in Law and Order and various Law and Order spinoffs, and he also was a U.S. Senator from 1994 till 2003, and actually had an unsuccessful run in 2008 for the presidential election. I believe he was in the primaries and never got out of the primaries. But, I mean, he's a guy that if you've watched Law & Order, you've seen probably 25 episodes with him as the uh, as the district attorney. And he's got a presence about him, too, that, that makes him stand out. Our next guest star is R.G. Armstrong as Sheriff Parks. You may also know him as Pruneface in the movie Dick Tracy. General Phillips in the movie Predator, uh, Deal in the movie Children of the Corn, uh, Lewis on Friday the 13th, the TV series, 
and Kevin McDonald in the Western movie El Dorado. Jason, do you remember Mr. Armstrong from Children of the Corn or Friday the 13th, the TV series? Was he a regular on Friday the 13th? Good question. I don't believe so. I believe he only had a, f- a handful of episodes. Okay, I probably don't. I like that show a lot, though. It's very underrated for when it came out. It has nothing to do with the Friday the 13th movies at all. It's about like an antique shop with like magical things that get that that have been sold out or stolen and they're just slowly trying to bring them back because they have like a ghost connect it's a really good show i really like it. i'm not explaining it well but okay time out but but here's my question so it's called friday the 13th it has nothing to do with the movie franchise didn't somebody sue somebody over the name it was made by the same people who made the movies oh but it had nothing to do with the jason continuity Okay, I got to be honest with you. I didn't even know this was a thing till I till I read this, and I wrote it down because I know you're a big fan. And so That's... when when did this when did this air? Like what time period? Um, in the n- 1990. I'm double checking that right now, but um, yeah, what I really like it. On? And unfortunately, it didn't do super well because people were mad and disappointed. It reminds me of Charmed. That's exactly what the show reminds me of. It reminds okay. me of Charmed. It's okay. very, very much so like Charmed. And it started in 1987. On what channel or what network? Um, I don't know. Let me see if I can find that information out. But yeah, you guys out there, if you guys like Charmed, I totally recommend checking this show out. Or if you okay. like Buffy. It's a very early version of both of those shows. All right. Shall I move on while you research to find out what network this show was on? Here's the actual plot. It says an old antique dealer made a pact with the devil to sell cursed antiques. When he dies, his store is inherited by his niece, Mickey, and her cousin, Ryan. With the help of Jack, they fight to retrieve the antiques from the people who bought them to stop them from causing harm. So that's the premise of the show. It's very, very much like Charmed, and I'm going to find out what station it was on right now. Okay, because I was curious about that. While you do that, shall I move on to our next guest? guest star or should i just hold okay all right our next one is a gentleman by the name of stephen keats who will be playing the role of lee kramer now you may know him as jack toby in the 1974 charles bronson flick death wish he's jackie brown in the friends of eddie coyle robert moshevsky in black sunday uh attorney george zeckert in law and order and he played the role of Dr. Spires in the Chuck Norris movie, Silent Rage. Now, I, I got to throw it out there. The Friends of Eddie Coyle was, for me, a movie I've seen maybe in the last three or four years. And it is fantastic. Peter Boyle is in it. Plays a great job of, of, of a mobster. It's basically um, a mob movie where a mobster's caught and he becomes a snitch. And then how that kind of uh, led to some consequences in his life it's very well done it was awesome i really liked it it i had very low expectations for it watched it fantastic i highly recommend it for uh the station it just says syndication it was a canadian show that was syndicated here i guess uh but it's this dvds were put out on uh by cbs so i'm gonna assume when it aired here it was on cbs well no not necessarily if it was syndicated it could be a, a cbs project that they syndicated because I think mm-hmm. that that's happened before. Like Hercules and all those other shows were produced by somebody, but then uh, syndicated. So, Gina right, so we got us know. 
Gino will, of course, he knows. He'll, 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 we'll get in. We need to hire message. him as a fact checker. Gino, if you are okay making $0.00, <laughs> please reach out to us. All right. But anyways, uh, with Stephen Keats, uh, let's see. Have you seen Death Wish, the original? I have not. I've only seen the Bruce Willis one. Okay. I like the original. It's, it's a favorite of mine. Um, and I've always wanted to see Black Sunday. I've never, I, I can't hunt it down. It's where terrorists take over a blimp and crash it into the stadium where the Super Bowl is playing. Oh my God, I want to see that. Yeah, it's from like 1974 and it has it has big names in it. Uh, I want to say, let's see, Bruce Dern, Robert Shaw, uh, Stephen Keats is in it, as I mentioned. Yeah, so it's it's a it's it's uh it's a solid show or solid movie, excuse me. It's Dude, it's on those... Showtime streaming right now. Oh, it's it's one of those great disaster films from the seventies. Ooh, I'm gonna have to check that out, man. And I, I think I've seen one of the Death Wish, Death Wish sequels because my grandma used to like it. She had all five of them. So I'm sure I've caught bits and pieces of them along the years. Look, here's my opinion. Death Wish is a very good movie, the first one. The second one is eh. Third one, fourth one, and fifth one is they're all ridiculous. They are awful. I like ridiculous movies, John. In fact, I've never seen four. I've only seen three and five because how can you say four is awful? You haven't seen it. Because if anything like three and five, you hear that trash. Now I'm questioning if John's even seen any of them. I don't you don't you dare don't you dare. I'll go get the DVD off the off the shelf of all five. No, just the first one. Cause it's the only I'm going to get you a box set of all five. Don't you dare. Don't I have the dare. fifth one on DVD. Fifth! <laughs> Sorry, folks. Sorry for the little Dave Chappelle there. Well, let's move on because we have two more folks to talk about. Let's talk about, of course, Ted Manson, who will be playing the role of Ed Tucker. You may know him as Mr. Dawes in The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Uh, Chip in Talladega Nights. Uh, Colonel Murphy in Sweet Home, Alabama. Old Gus in Knights and Rodanthe. Pulaski in Runaway Jury. And the old bowling alley man in Run, Ronnie, Run. Which, for those of you that haven't seen Run, Ronnie, Run, it's, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a Mr. Show production with Cross and Odenkirk. And uh, it's basically about a kind of redneck goofball named Ronnie who is a star of a reality show, but it's really funny. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Sweet Home Alabama is one of my all-time favorite rom-coms, and this poor guy was in Major League 3, Back to the Minors. Oh. No, but I've just recently watched Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, Major League League 3 had Scott Bakula in it, and the only actors that came back were Corbin Burnson as Roger Dorn, Dennis Haysbert as Pedro, and uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce this guy's name, but he played um, Taka Tanaka. He was in Major League Two and then Three. And then Rube Baker, also from Major League Two. Those were the only ones who returned. And it had Ted McGinley in it. And, you know, and usually Ted McGinley's in something that's not a good song. <laughs> no, no offense to Ted McGinley, but he was known as a sitcom killer for quite some time because he would join a show like in its final seasons. Like, Happy Days, he joined the show and the quality went down. Oh, okay. Even though I still hold a special spot for all of the Revenge of the Nerds sequels. And he's in, like, one, three, and four. All right, let's talk about our final guest star, somebody that we know oh so well. Jim McGavin. 
That's right. Christopher McDonald will be playing the role of David Channing. You may know him as, of course, Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore. He was also Tommy Jefferson on Harry's Law. Jack Barry in the movie Quiz Show. Uh, Daryl in the film Thelma and Louise. Judge Shakrowski on The Good Wife. Is that is that one of the ones that you watch, or which one is it that you don't watch? Oh, dude, I, I love The Good Wife. It's one of my all-time favorite shows. All right. Well, there you go. He is it's a going great to be, law show. He is going to be part of our antagonist. So, all right. With that, Jason, I got a question for you. Are you ready to give an opinion? Your opinion and solely your opinion. So help you. Let's testify. Let's testify. testify. This is the part of the podcast where John will break down the episode, starting with the beginning and ending with the end, and we will find out more about it as we go along. John, tell us about the episode. <laughs> I love how, how blunt and to the point you were on that. Uh, the plot. Matlock travels to Manteo, North Carolina, to solve a double murder with the help of a local sheriff's deputy. By the way, I looked it up. Manteo, North Carolina actually does exist. It is actually in Dare County. It has about a rough estimate of the last census, which was two years ago, of having about 1,600 people live on the island. So it's a real place. It's a real, real deal. I was kind of wondering if that was, you know, true or not, if it was a real deal. But there you go. It's out there on the uh, kind of where the Outer Banks begin. Nice. All right, the opening scene. A plane is flying into a town with a very mysterious passenger aboard. And lo and behold, as the plane lands, a Spencer Hamilton comes from the, emerges, I should say, from the plane. And he is getting set to go to his brother's place in town and the handyman uh talks to spencer about his brother's death and uh the handyman tells spencer that his brother frank he died accidentally while duck hunting so let's go ahead and unpack that right now jason i know you have plenty of things to talk about in regards to spencer hamilton so go right ahead hit us up with your your unmitigated raw opinion of spencer I immediately paused the episode and called John on FaceTime and I <laughs> pointed the camera at him. I'm like, if you look up douchebag in the dictionary, is it this guy's face there? Because like they have him specifically just looking like, a, as Ben would say, jackass, like from the get, I thought, oh my God, I thought he was going to be the bad guy. Like there was no way that I didn't think he'd be the bad guy or the first victim. And okay, I, he's... I was wrong. I shouldn't have stereotyped him because of the way they had his hair slicked back and the way his whole face and demeanor was. But um, he's probably a very nice gentleman. I, I was going to say, he's got that swarthy look to him. I, I agree. I said the same thing as you did. I'm like, I'm going to put money on he's one of the suspects. And indeed, turns out he's not. In fact, we cut to a country restaurant um, where a bunch of people are chatting with Gordon and Gordon is telling him all about the woes of the town, and people want him to run for re-election. And this is going to be a, a gag, apparently. The Gordon has many, many jobs. He's got, like, he owns part of a car dealership, and he has an insurance racket, and he's also a lawyer, and he, he apparently has this restaurant or something. I don't I didn't understand his connection to the restaurant, but and, and he's run for office and he always loses. So that becomes a running gag throughout the episode. So Spencer confronts Gordon about who killed his brother. And Gordon's like, look, you got to talk to the sheriff, okay? And so the sheriff comes over, 
And he tries to calm Spencer down, you know, telling him, you know, sorry about your brother's death, blah, blah, blah. But Spencer wants to know who did it. And we find out it's Ryan Bartell. Now, you talk about douchey people. I think the actor that played Ryan Bartell is worse than Spencer Hamilton, I feel. A little bit. <laughs> There's a whole lot of them in this episode. There I, is. As a matter of fact. There is. There is. There, all of the antagonists are kind of douchey. They're kind of, they're yeah. Anyways. They're jerk McFaces. <laughs> we cut to a bar where Spencer walks in and he wants to get some information. And lo and behold, the bartender, boy, he is Gabby McGaberson, is he not? Blah, 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 Ryan comes in here all the time with his friends. Blah, blah, blah. Well, they usually ah. are. I know, they usually are. They're Absolutely. therapists. Yes, as they feed you booze. Uh, the bartender explains that Ryan and his crew come in all the time. And Ryan has a short fuse. And one night, Ryan and Frank argued over a girl. So we cut to the next scene where Spencer confronts Ryan and his crew uh, and a brawl breaks out. That brawl breaks out because Spencer believes that these three, or excuse me, these four individuals killed his brother because his brother was like scared of the water. He never would have went out duck hunting and, and he just throws all kinds of accusations at Ryan and his crew. Ryan pulls a knife, but Spencer gets it. And lo and behold, Conrad McMasters runs in to break it up. This happens shortly after that we see the knife get stuck in the table and like a ha ha, there you go. And so the table did not make it. <laughs> it's very sad. Yes, we're going to have a follow through <laughs> on finding out who murdered the table. We know who murdered the table, the guy who stabbed him. Okay, so he'll be brought up on charges of that? Yeah. Okay. Well, soon we find that Ryan's pals are plotting, and they're using backgammon dice to decide who's going to do something. Um, have you ever played backgammon? No, I have no idea how to play it. But backgammon, is that the one with the net and the little weird little thing? No, it's with the game board. It's got, like, the really sharp triangles and you move oh yeah no like pieces and they, it has the container that you shake like they shook that the dice in that container remember so in backgammon you have those containers you have to roll them from the container i don't i don't know what is the game where you use the little thing it's like tennis um you use like the the thing that looks like something from doctor who is that pinochle i don't know what you don't know it's like tennis it comes with the things you hit it and then it's got it's it's got a little point. It's like usually a rubbery thing and then some plastic that comes down from it. Mousetrap? Mousetrap? Mousetrap is not like... I don't know what you're like... talking about. What are you talking about? Badminton. <laughs> That's badminton, folks. Sorry, I'm not a sports guy. I'd be glad I knew what golf or tennis was. <laughs> Wait a minute. Time out. Backgammon is a board game. Badminton is something you play outside. Well, apparently you didn't know it either. Oh, jeez. Well, because I wasn't thinking of actual sports. I was thinking of board games. I said it was like tennis, and you said mousetrap. <laughs> <laughs> mousetrap is as much like tennis as Monopoly is. <laughs> okay. Badminton. Do you know what the thing is that's called that you hit across the across the net you know what it's called right it's called a shuttlecock 
Okay. Well, I, obviously, I didn't know that. I called it a thing that looks like it was in Doctor Who. You guys can email us at B-E-N-M-A-T-T-A-L-K at gmail.com and let me know what you think of my stupidity when it comes to sports. No, 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 no. These people need to explain to us how to play backgammon. Okay, that's what we need. So you can also hit us up on Twitter, by the way, at MattTalk underscore podcast, and we're also on Facebook at MattTalk podcast. We cut to a scene where there's a mysterious phone call right in the middle of the night that leads Ryan into the woods. And he goes off into the woods, and lo and behold, pow, he's shot once, but he's not dead. So he charges at the assailant, pow, second one kills him. And lo and behold, who do you think the number one suspect is? The guy, you know, the main douchey guy. Yeah, uh, thank you. I was waiting for you to fit in that insult. Anyways, I am very bad with names, folks. I apologize. Also, too, truth be told, we are recording this kind of late. Anyways, so we got to cut, cut, cut Jason some slack. He's been up since five in the morning. Yeah, John's like, dude, you've been working all day. Let's do a show late at night. And I'm like, all right, John, because I'm a team player. That's right. You are a team player. John's on vacation, and he's like, yeah, I'm free all day. Let's do it at 12 o'clock midnight. <laughs> I just woke up at 6. Hey, if you, if you said, let's do it at 2 in the morning, I would have woke up and came into the office in Dunham. I know you would have. I would have. I would have. You know that. Anyways, uh, the cops show up, and they arrest Spencer because apparently – uh, the mechanic who was supposedly at his house fixing his Jeep apparently said that he was in bed. They found a gun that matches the uh, the gun that was used in the crime. And so basically the alibi of one Spencer Hamilton falls to pieces. We go to the courtroom in Georgia where Ben wraps up a case when uh, Michelle Thomas <laughs> presents Ben with a check from the client. He just got off of all the charges. And guess what? <laughs> It dribbled like a basketball, folks, because it bounced and bounced. And that leads us one more time to say, what? That's right. Cash rules everything around Matlock. That was funny. I I like that bit. I did, too. And I like how nonchalantly, like, he cared for, like, 12 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, he tries to catch him, but there's too many people in the courtroom, man. There's too many people. Ben gets a phone call from a General Colvin who asked Ben to take the case of Spencer. So uh, what I thought was the best part, the funniest part, I should say, is this one. When Matlock flies to Manteo and the plane lands and Ben's reaction to the flight, I felt was hilarious. I mean, oh, I've been a phone boost bigger than that. That was epic. Ben's a rich guy. Why didn't he fly first class? Well, I don't think I don't think it's Hold on. I already I answered my question in my head. He's cheap. We already know that. Well, also too, I don't there's no there's a small airport. So he couldn't have flown first class anyways. He probably had to use one of those as they call puddle jumpers in order to get to Manteo. Remember, Manteo's only got sixteen hundred people as of twenty twenty, you know, so who knows how many people in eighty nine was there. I need to move to Mateo. You really want to go to Manteo? No. Okay, I was going to say. Dude, I keep finding new places in Ohio I've never heard of. Like what? Um, Where, where were you? Steubenville. I never heard of that until I met oh, you. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's a lot. Did you know there's an Ottawa, Ohio? I did know about Ottawa. Okay. Nah. Just from about, Facebook Marketplace. 
How about Laurelville? No. Okay, there you go. All right. I stumped him with one, folks. Anyways, Matlock goes to the courthouse, and man, oh, man, is there a lot of fanfare there. Like, the whole town's out front of the courthouse, and they're so glad that the world-famous Matlock is there. And uh, so he goes in, and basically he was running late, so uh, Gordon was had filled in for him. Uh, I like that the judge is not having any of Ben's tardiness or foolishness. Like, he seems like he's hardcore. Yeah, he's like, no, you're tomfoolery, sir. That's right. I like how the DA was kind of smitten with Ben, too. Like, oh, it's my hero, Ben Matlock. Man, he has a thing for DAs, or they have a thing for him. Yeah, they, yeah it's that animal magnetism, man. Uh, again, they go back outside of the courthouse after the proceedings, and Spencer confronts the crew again. And when I say the crew, I mean Ryan's pals. But this time he does it in the middle of the street. And man, mm-hmm. man, he gives him an earful and then gets him away from them and says, hey, stop it. You know, you're not helping yourself. Uh, I like how they go to the woods, and I loved how the deer footage was completely, you know, that was stock footage. They did not bother with getting a deer to run through the the, the frame. I don't even know if you could do that, but it just seemed like it was really, it didn't match up very well is what I'm trying to say. While they are in the woods, Ben gives the rules to Spencer's. And explains to him, look, you can't be flying off the handle. You got to keep that temper in check, et cetera, et cetera. And so now we go to the first meeting of Conrad and Ben when uh, the sheriff was sharing some information with Ben. And Conrad gives Ben a tour of the town uh, while they're on their way to Ryan's home. Dude, I wrote this down in capital letters. Fun dialogue. This right here goes to show what we already talked about a few moments ago. That chemistry between Andy and, and Clarence. Did, yeah, did they have a um, relationship prior to Matlock? They had to have. I can't imagine. Like, oh, my God, I, it's, it's just so good. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea if they had a, a, a relationship or whether that would be a working relationship or a personal relationship or whatnot. But, yeah, they definitely they definitely have that. This is the best chemistry ever that we've seen in the show because we've said, obviously, Nancy and, and Andy had a very good uh, r- rapport with one another and whatnot. And many other Don Knox and and Andy Griffith, obviously, but I think this is this is the the chemistry to talk about with uh, with Matlock. Yes, and even the the chemistry with all three of them, like the very little bit they had together. Mm-hmm. All right, so um, they get to the house and the door is unlocked, and then I also noticed too, like in the background, that the the garage door there was a, a door open back there. But there's no police tape to indicate that this is a crime scene. I guess technically it's not a crime scene because he wasn't killed in his house. He was killed in the woods. But wouldn't there be, like, caution tape up? Yes. You would think that. Well, once again, the bartender that we saw a few scenes ago gives more scoop to Ben regarding Ryan and and his pals. And then a call comes through on the radio uh that spencer is fighting with the mechanic jack and so conrad and ben to the rescue and basically it was about that that spencer feels that jack lied that he was there fixing the car but he had lied because he was paid off by by ryan and his crew and so jack's like i'm gonna press charges and uh, matlock says well if you do then everybody's gonna know about your dirty laundry too so Mm -hmm. okay nicely done and then Ben 
ends this scene by calling Spencer a jackass. Yes. We get angry Ben a lot in this episode. And we do. My few negatives on this episode are going to be very nitpicky. Oh, same here. Spoiler alert, same here. Uh, ben interviews Ernie at his home. And uh, this is the one thing I, I thought was funny. was like Matlock was checking his guns and his ammo. And all while Ernie's making moose because he's going to have, he's a chef and he's going to have like dinner guests or whatnot. And so he's so distracted by Ben going over his guns and the ammo and all that does this moose is burning. And so Matlock tells him that Matlock's like, I'll see myself out. And he leaves and goes down the hallway, but he doesn't leave. And he catches Ernie calling somebody on the phone and going, we got to take care of this. We got a problem. So David uh, is, is catches Ben snooping around his speedboat. And so Ben interviews both Lee and David. And then in what is incredibly brave or incredibly stupid, Lee invites Ben to go practice shooting uh, clay targets. And Ben goes. He's like, really? You're going to go with a guy that's got a shotgun? That's not smart. They're not going to kill Ben. You don't know. I mean, people know where Ben's at. I mean, it'd be very stupid. Who? Where's Michelle Thomas? She's not there. Uh Aha. We're not talking about Michelle Thomas. We're talking about Ben Matlock. (laughs) Well, anywho, um, don't worry, because the the sleight of hand of the magician, if you will, of Ben Matlock, he takes and unloads the gun. So when he hands the shotgun back to to old Lee, there's there's no rounds, and then he throws him the cartridge, which was a nice little uh, tomfoolery there, if you will. Okay, this is kind of weird. The sheriff and Ben are on the beach, and there's plenty of people at the beach. Pretty ladies in swimsuits, hunky guys in swimsuits. <sighs> and Ben and the sheriff kind of make some kind of slightly gross comments about all the young, good-looking people on the, uh, on the beach. I was like, eh, if I was going to be nitpicky, I would probably put this as a negative. But, but lo and behold, Gordon shows up, and my oh my. I don't know why I wrote this down, but you should you should go back and check out. They shake hands for a very long time, like more than necessary. Like, you know what I mean? When you shake hands with somebody, it's one up, one down, one up, one down, maybe three. You do that three times, that's it. They shook forever, which is weird. Yeah. Well, Ben gets a mysterious call, and he goes to this garden. I, I guess this garden was in the town, I guess. And he goes around, he's looking... And he sees a car, It's and apparently it's his car, which I did not understand that at first. I was totally like, why are they focusing on this random car? Basically, when Ben gets done walking through the garden, trying to figure out who, who wants to meet with him, uh, in which he doesn't meet with anybody, uh, he walks out, and there's the sheriff and Conrad. And lo and behold, they pop the trunk, and there's cocaine in the trunk. Tell me, Jason, what were your thoughts on this little... Uh, obstacle thrown in the way of Ben Matlock. I wish that this situation had been played out more because I love it when Andy Griffith gets to act. I'm not like saying that he's not acting on the rest of the show, but I love it when he gets moments like he has in this episode. And I wish that we had more of it. Okay. So we go back to the courtroom and now everybody is arguing. All right, everybody is ticked off. Ben's yelling and he's 
He's very angry. He's got a red face, like a literal red face. He's yelling. And eventually, like, the, the judge ain't having it. And the courtroom, out, the people outside the courtroom, excuse me, they're, they're, they're hurling insults. And Conrad is the one that says, hey, 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 I believe in you, Ben. I believe that that cocaine was not yours. Here's my question. This drug tie-in, this story, this frame job, whatever you want to call it, it really was very half-baked. Because how did he get – so he got away on bail? Like, what? how did he get out of the courtroom? What are the charges he's facing? Like, it just seemed like it was there, and then it just disappeared. Like, they forgot about it as the writers were continuing to work on the script. Your thoughts? No, I agree. Okay. So it's song time with Conrad and Ben. They sing a little song. And then Ben decides to go and confront Ryan's pals. Uh, and he does it in the same crappy bar and he threatens them. Whoever set me up with the cocaine in my trunk, I'm, I'm going to come get you, basically. And then the camera pans to David going over to the bar and sitting down next to a lovely young lady who is Michelle Thomas. And so basically they strike up a conversation. And now the question I have here. We know that Ben likes to set up his uh, female uh, help uh, as uh, decoys, as as whatever, whatever you want to call them. Do you think Ben had this set up? Probably a setup. <laughs> I would have to assume because she's about to do something dangerous. I would assume she let somebody know what was going on. Yeah. I, okay. That's that's where I was going. Is that the danger seems to be a little bit high on at the very side. least? She told Ben whether it was his idea or hers. Ben yeah. at some point was looped in. Uh, Conrad, by the way, gets the four one one that Jack's garage is funded by Ryan and his pals. And then we go to a scene that I wrote down. Wow. I, again, Michelle Thomas is at David's place. They're whining and dining. I just gotta say this. This here shows some fantastic acting because, again, Michelle Thomas flips that switch. She, she's sultry. She's seductive. I mean, she's gorgeous, too, in this very formal uh, gown she was wearing or dress she was wearing. He, David, was in a very nice suit. I mean, it was, it was fantastic acting, like just absolutely awesome because in reality, while David was on the phone, uh, Michelle Thomas was going through his ledger, through his book, which after she left, David kind of noticed that it was on the wrong page. Yep. So Conrad, Michelle, and Ben all meet up. Uh, Michelle believes that the uh, the crew, Ryan's crew, is running drugs because none of their jobs are profitable. They all have jobs, like uh, Ernie's the restaurant restaurateur in Boston and his is going under and whatnot. And so the theory is that Frank was also involved in the drugs and was killed because he knew too much and was untrustworthy. So they go to this very weird uh, amphitheater where they tell Spencer, hey, look, uh, we think your brother was dealing drugs. And so we also find out that there's a drug shipment at 2 o'clock. So all the cops, Ben, Spencer, etc., are watching the shoreline, the coastline. And here comes a, I guess that would be a hydroplane because it was a plane that could land on water, but there's no drugs in it. None. And so we cut to a scene where the crew, Ryan's crew, is upset about the plane getting taken. And David realizes 
that Michelle was snooping on him. He tells the other guys he's called a jackass, which I took offense to because you don't take the catchphrase of Ben Matlock, you douchey punk. (laughs) So this time, what we don't know, but we will find out here, is that there's going to be a second attempt and trying to find the 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 goods so to speak to to get the guys lee is at the docks uh ernie's at the docks uh david arrives on his boat and they're going to get on another boat and leave okay so the boat stops and it's the getaway boat but it's full of cops and what is found on the boat tons and tons of money so we go to the courtroom where we find out that in fact there is no cocaine there's only money. So Jack is put on the stand. Uh, the crew uh, own his garage. He has a Porsche. And he had taken it through a car wash to get the tree sap off of it. Because going back to the very first couple of scenes, the handyman mentions to Spencer, don't park your Jeep under that tree because it'll sap will get on it. And then it'll be hard to get it off. And so since there was tree sap on the Porsche, Jack could have only been one place. And that was at Spencer's fixing the Jeep like supposedly he was. First of all, my question is this. Is there nowhere else on this island where you could get tree sap on your car? Nope. Apparently not. Apparently Spencer Hamilton has the uh, has it locked down, if you will. The prosecutor tries to use the defense that is it possible that Spencer left through the back door of the house and that you couldn't see him, et cetera, et cetera. And so we go to Conrad uh, in a scene where he is in the um, – evidence lockup and he's investigating the cocaine that was found in ben's car so we go back to the courtroom where gordon is on the stand and he was the lawyer in a coke bust four ounces are missing from the lockup and uh after a little bit of back and forth we find out uh gordon was the one that planted the coke because he had access to it and then this was one weird one jason give me your thoughts on this right after this it seemed that the judge helps the prosecutor because he says something like, oh, don't you have any other questions? Hint, hint. Like, what did you make of that scene? At that point, I thought maybe the judge was in on it, that there was a big conspiracy, not just a few folks involved. So it actually was very weird. I don't know why they kept it in. I would have cut that out. I don't know. I kind of thought maybe the judge was involved back during Ben's Coke. Um, um, are you guilty or not guilty? But I didn't think about it at that moment. So the crew gave one and a half million dollars to Gordon, which was found in his boat. And it's deemed that he is not the killer because there's no evidence there. Uh, Ben goes back to Ryan's place and he finds out that the knife isn't the same one that Ryan had at the fight. You know, the one that got stuck in the table. So we go back to the courtroom. Oh, God, you talk about somebody you wanted to strangle. David, I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. A little more Dave Chappelle for you, Jason. What do you say? <laughs> I knew this guy was guilty. Well, he continues to plead the fifth. Like He's always sense. guilty. He always plays a, a mean or a bad guy. He does. Uh, but Ben keeps going at him. The knife isn't the same one. It's actually a new one because here we go. In 1989, now we have trace evidence. We have DNA. And Ben explains how that works. So for all those previous seasons... Now it must be kind of procedure for police departments to have this. So the theory is the first shot wounds um, Ryan, uh, but Ryan ends up stabbing David in the thigh. The second shot kills him. And so basically 
David went to Greenville to get medical attention and he has a scar on his thigh, which David claims is an injury from working on his boat. So therefore the jury comes back and says that Spencer is not guilty. The crowd outside the courthouse is elated. Ben invites Conrad to Atlanta. And the final scene has song time with Ben. And guess who shows up? Conrad McMasters. That's right. And Ben ends up on vacation. But then he gets uh, suckered into doing some investigative work for Ben Matlock. Yeah, but he kept like like hinting that. that he wasn't ever going back. Really? I didn't pick up on that. Oh my God. He's like, and Ben's like, how long? And he's like, as long as I want. (laughs) I haven't had vacation in a long time. Hint, hint. I guess I'm going to go away now. He wanted Ben. He was, it's called baiting. He was baiting Ben. Okay. All right. Well, Jason, anything else you want to talk about before we move on? I have nothing. Okay. Then let's get into our closing statements. This is a part of the podcast where John and I rate this episode on a gavel system. One gavel meaning it's absolutely awful. And five gavels means it was one of the best things to ever hit our television screens. John, what did you gavel this episode of Matlock? I gave it four gavels. I really like this episode. Uh, I love the Conrad and and Ben chemistry. Um, As I said, great acting from nancy stafford playing michelle thomas fantastic i like the change of setting uh a little bit my only negative is i is i kind of already tipped my hand to it i hated the drug angle like framing ben because it went nowhere it was half-heartedly slapped together i feel like as a way to kind of show uh oh well it's not going to be an easy cakewalk down here in manteo but I, I I think they could have done without that and still had a solid episode or episodes, if you will. Or so. extended. I would have loved to seen Ben in prison and Michelle and Conrad trying to, one, get him out as he's helping them, watch him get more and more frustrated, and also solving the crime. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. I would Let I Andy Griffith chew on some acting meat. Mm-hmm. I can go for that. I definitely could. It just, the way it was presented in this episode, I was like, eh. Did you notice at the end that Andy Griffith was a story supervisor? No, I did not. This is the first time I'd seen that on an episode. That's why I wanted to. Well, how about you? How many gavels did you give it? I'm giving it a six so I can even out your four because this episode is amazing. So on average, we got a five from both of us. Guys, this episode was everything you want from Matlock. I adored it and my small nitpicks are the just those nitpicks this if this says anything about season four then we're gonna have a great time i remember i think it was season two that i thought was just great and um i i'm so far this opening is better than the season two opening where we met michelle and i can't wait to see where we go dare i say this is the best two-parter that we've had of this series so far it didn't feel like it was stretched for time. Sure, there's a few things you could have either edited out or expanded upon. But as an overall episode, especially one for that time, it is really, really solid. I can see now why people rate it very highly in the Facebook groups that we're in. That a lot of people like that episode. And it was great. I, I totally agree with you 100%. Um, fantastic. So, 
All right. Well, let's talk about some of our own personal podcasting projects. Jason, what you got going on with the Three Geeks podcast? We are live Sundays at 10 a.m. Thank you to everybody who supports us. 70 views in three months is something that is absolutely extraordinary. And um, you guys can find us on all audio platforms. I am on TikTok. I might be the oldest guy on TikTok, but I am there. I'm giving you guys uh, one-minute movie reviews. I love doing them. They're so much fun. I like talking about movies, so I get to do that more and more because I do my little TikToks and my Instas and my Facebooks and my Twitters and all of the socials, all of the kids' stuff that they do these days. I am now doing, too. You sound like an old man when you say the Instas and the Twitter. The twits, yeah. The- my daughter's like, Dad, you got to don't write on TikTok. You have to hashtag everything. So I've been getting schooled from her a little bit on how to work the TikToks. Um, I haven't started dancing on TikTok yet, but trust me, it's coming very soon. All right. Uh, The PVD cast is my own personal podcasting project. Uh, It's available at pvdcast.com or through all those major podcasting platforms. I got a lot of cool things coming up in the next few weeks, including your partner in crime for another podcast. Sir Sturdy will be uh, joining me here in a couple of weeks. Uh, that one's in the can. Got some other great episodes dropping here real soon. But uh, again, pvdcast.com is where you can find me. Uh, or excuse me, where you can find the podcast. You can find me at pvdmvp on Twitter. Or you can drop me a message over on the Facebook and Instagram feeds. Just look for at pvdcast. And heck, if you want to, you can shoot me an email if you want. John Orlando at pvdcast.com. And Jason, we need to talk about it. We're still we're still trying to get it going, man. We're trying to we're slowly, very slowly, we're trying to get this new project off the ground. That would be the Larry Hankin stories. Stories from one of the greatest character actors on the face of the planet, Larry Hankin, talking about his life, his career, his uh, everything from from his time in college to growing up in New York to to being in Escape from Alcatraz, a whole bevy of great stories that you, if you are a cinema folk, you need to check this out. Uh, again, patreon.com slash Larry Hankin. We got some free previews on the front screen. We also have tiers, 5, 10, 15. Think about it. Think about it. What you spend at Starbucks, you can get some cool content from Larry and from us. Again, the Larry Hankin stories, patreon.com slash Larry Hankin. All right, Jason, should we get on out of here? We shall, John. I am tired as the old man that I am, and I still got to figure out why TikTok is not uploading my latest video. Oh, all right. Well, with that, then, folks, we got to go. So as they say in court, nothing further. Nothing further. following is a joint production of the three geek podcast and john orlando enterprises llc copyright 2023